You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. is written because they bought into a gospel that wasn't a gospel. There's only one gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Jesus is the only name. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. There's no way to the Father except by Him. And that is the truth. It's the only truth. It's going to save him. There's only one gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the grave. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. This is the complete and only gospel that will save anyone. As Pastor Danny teaches today, the gospel plus anything saves no one. Don't be deceived into believing false gospels. There's nothing that you need to do, and in fact, nothing that you can do to save yourself from your sin. Jesus is the only way. He can cleanse your life and set you on a new path. Have you put your trust in Him? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 10 as he begins his message, the essential, eternal, bittersweet message. Revelation chapter 10. John says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see an angel. Keeping in mind that those that did see them in the scriptures fainted. Awesome beings that God has created and some more powerful than others. This is a mighty angel. Verse 2, he was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the seven thunders, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. We don't have information in the Bible about the seven thunders. We have a verse in the Old Testament that says, the voice of the Lord thunders. Is this the voice of the Lord? Not sure. And when the seven thunders spoke, John says, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I read that and that's a bummer. I just go, really? If you're not going to tell me what the seven thunders said, why did you even tell me about the seven thunders? I'm like, God, why did you tell me seven thunders said something at this very important, crucial time just before the second coming of Christ, and you're not going to tell me what the seven thunders said? 
Daniel had the same experience. He received revelation about the future that we're reading about in Revelation. In chapter 8, verse 26, God gives him a vision among all the other visions. And on this one vision concerning the distant future, the time of the end, that's what God said. And God told Daniel, seal it up. I'm like, really? You read that and you go, come on. I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. But he didn't tell me. He didn't tell us. And so I have to ask the question, why did he not tell us? And here's my thoughts. One is maybe we can't handle it. I mean, isn't what he's given us in Revelation enough? We know that in this time, this seven-year period, yet future and coming upon the world, during the seven-year period, 50% of the population on the planet dies. Jesus in John 16, 12, 12 told his disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Maybe God's doing us a favor. Maybe you couldn't handle it. I have a second thought of why God didn't tell us what the seven thunders speak. Now, when one thunder speaks, that's loud. When seven thunders speak, that's not just loud, that's final. It's the number for finality. And here's what I put in my notes. Thunder is connected with lightning and both are connected with storms. And the storms during this future time are huge. Somehow I must trust the Lord during the times of tremendous storm and what he has not revealed during the storm. That's practical no matter what period of life you are. Trust him. Even when he doesn't reveal everything that he knows in the midst of the storm. And I have one final thought before we move on. Why God didn't tell us what the seven thunders spoke. We might get sidetracked on what the seven thunders said. And miss more important things. Good verse. It's Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. At least write it down. Great verse to know as a Christian. The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. God hasn't told us everything yet. George Washington Carver was the son of ex-slaves. He was a gifted botanist. It is said that he prayed to God to show him the mysteries of the universe, but God did not answer. Thinking he was asking God for too much, he then asked God to show him the mysteries of the earth. Still no answer. He then prayed... God, show me the mysteries of the human body. And for the third time, no revelation. Carver is the man who, after much persuasion, convinced farmers in the South to plant peanuts and sweet potatoes instead of cotton. Because Southern farmers had planted cotton for hundreds of years without crop rotation, the soil had worn out and the farmers were going into terrible debt due to the failure of their crops. When they finally listened to Carver, sweet potatoes and peanuts in, the, in time became number one crops in the South. But the market was not substantial enough for the bumper crops of peanuts and sweet potatoes. So much of the produce was left in the fields and rotted. And the farmers began to lose even more money than before. It was at that precise time that George Washington Carver prayed again. And here's what he prayed this time. Mr. Creator... 
Would you show me why you created the peanut? <laughs> and then God, as George Washington Carver went back into his laboratory, began to reveal to him the peanut. He eventually produced 300, 300 marketable products from the peanut, including lard, mayonnaise, cheese, shampoo. I don't need that one anymore. Um, instant flour or instant coffee, flour, soap, face powder, plastics, adhesives, axle grease, pickles. And of course, one of my favorites, I eat it almost every morning, peanut butter. Hallelujah for George Washington Carver and the revelation of God. Economists and agriculturists agree that Carver contributed more than any other individual to rejuvenate the Southern economy. Listen. If you want to see the church rejuvenated, if you want to see the world changed, potentially, you don't focus on what the seven thunders spoke. God didn't tell us what the seven thunders spoke. He told us seven thunders said something. Why? Well, I gave you my thoughts, but he didn't tell us what they said. So don't get caught up in trying to figure out what they said. Major on the majors and minor on the minors. What's the major? Well, you're asking all the right questions. Chapter 10, Revelation, verse 5. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens, all that's in them, the earth, all that's in it, the sea, all that's in it. And he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Now he's talking about what the prophets have said that's recorded in this book. These are things revealed. And there are occasions when it would be appropriate for me to go back and share with you some of the details of what the prophets have said. But for the sake of this message, I want to sum it up. Better than me summing it up, I want to show you a verse in the Bible. One verse that sums it all up. And this verse in Revelation 10 refers to all that the prophets have said. Revelation chapter 19. We're coming back to chapter 10. Revelation Chapter 19, John sees another angel. This angel communicating with him is so glorious, majestic, that verse 10, he says that this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you, with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything they said culminates and has to do with Jesus. He's the main thing. Did you hear what I said? Seven thunders speak. God tells us they speak, but it really doesn't matter what they spoke because the main thing is not what they said. Is it basic? Yes. Is it elementary? Yes. But it's the only message. That'll really make a difference in somebody's life. Eternally. Verse 8, Revelation 10. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. 
Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, and I asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. Now pause there for a minute. The scroll at least contains the word of God. It might be the word of God, but it at least contains the word of God. I'm a literalist. I believe in the literal interpretation of scripture. But if you're like me, when you read a verse like this and you say it at least represents the word of God, don't in taking it literally eat your Bible. (laughs) Take it and eat it. It'll turn your stomach sour. But in your mouth, it'll be as sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Why do you think John's stomach turned sour after he ate the scroll? Well, on this one, we do not have to speculate. Because the last verse of our text tells us why his stomach turned sour. Then I was told... You must prophesy, speak again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. Remember where John is on the island of Patmos. He's a prisoner. Remember why he's there. He tells us in the opening chapter, chapter 1 of Revelation. I was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It cost him. John's an aged saint, and for years and years and years, he's now been proclaiming Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. And if you reject Jesus, there's a place called hell. And beyond hell, there's eternal damnation. That's why when I read the Word of God, as I did this morning, for me, for me, for me, I love the Word. It's so sweet. It really is sweet as honey in my mouth. But then when I digest it and understand as I proclaim the message about Jesus and the truth of the word of God, it's a bittersweet message. Here's where we're headed. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, Jesus Christ. Isaiah said for us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I can't wait for that day. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Daniel, in receiving the revelation of the end times... Just like the book of Revelation, Daniel 7, the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to, now here he says, listen, be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Here's the deal. If you haven't come to fully appreciate this, he's my king as well as my savior. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming again. And when he comes, he's coming for me. 
And if I go before he comes, he's coming and I'm coming with him. Riding on a white horse. And he's going to set up his kingdom. And I'm going to rule and reign with my king and my savior forever and ever and ever and ever. Wow. But when we tell people that, I mean, you, you would think when you offer such a great opportunity, hey, listen, I found the fountain of life. I found the key to eternal youth. You'd think everybody would just be jumping on board. It's bittersweet. Because not only is it a message of, of salvation, it's a message that if you reject the only message of salvation, then, then you're, you're saying, you don't understand. Jesus is the only way. And by the way, Jesus is the only way. We're living in a world where even churches are buying into Jesus not being the only way. Let me remind the church I pastor, Jesus is the only way. Listen. Paul, the whole letter of Galatians is written because they bought into a gospel that wasn't a gospel. There's only one gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Jesus is the only name. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. There's no way to the Father except by him. And that is the truth. It's the only truth. It's going to save anybody. But it's a bittersweet message. Because not only does it involve, not only telling them, if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be saved. But if you deny him, if you reject him, you're going to be damned. And they look at you like, are you an alien? I mean, haven't you come? I mean, we're educated these days. We've grown these days. Now, Jesus is not the only way. And you believe in a thing called hell? A God of love sending somebody to a place called hell? Yes. The message doesn't change. And it's always bittersweet. And it's bittersweet not only because if they reject Jesus, there's eternal damnation. But some of the people you share with, doesn't it break your heart for your child, for your children on Father's Day to realize there's some children of some fathers in this room right now that do not know Jesus? And if you could lay your life on the altar and you could die so that your child, many fathers would say, yeah, that's me. I would die if my child well, if you want him to know Jesus that bad, how much more do you think the Father wants? It's bittersweet. Because some of the people we share with. Listen, Ezekiel had a very similar experience as the Apostle John. And if you're good students in a good church, I'll try to let you out on time if you'll just turn with me. <laughs> if not, you fall asleep. I'm going to wait till you wake up. <laughs> Because this is important. Every week's important, but boy, this week. Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel, of course, one of the prophets, called to a very public ministry. Just like I'm called to a public ministry, but we're all called to ministry. 
Verse 4, the people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Oh, that's encouraging. <laughs> Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they're a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. They'll know that somebody at least told them the truth. And you, son of man, don't be afraid of them or their words. Don't be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they're a rebellious house. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen. Now look at verse 9. Then Ezekiel says, I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll, just like what happened to John in Revelation. And he unrolled the scroll before me, and on both sides of it were words of lament and mourning and woe, judgment. Chapter 3, verse 1, and he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you, eat the scroll. And then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat it. And then he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And he then said, son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. And then he reminds him again of how stubborn people he's going to are. And then he says in verse 7, but the house of Israel is not willing to listen to you because they're not willing to listen to me. And then in verse 9, don't be afraid. Just be faithful. Will we continue to speak the truth even though the world around us is not listening? Noah preached for 120 years and eight people after 120 years responded. But his judgment before God is not based on how many people got in the ark. It's based on how faithful he was in all those years. You're being good. So I'm on target to let you out on time. But now you've got to go back to the New Testament. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days Spoke to them about the kingdom of God here in verse 4, Acts chapter 1. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering so that they might be witnesses. There's going to be opposition. They're going to need the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. They will pray. Lord, fill us with boldness. God will grant them boldness through the Holy Spirit to be faithful. So when they met together, verse 6, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You didn't catch what they're asking. Lord, is it time to rule and reign? Going to set up the kingdom now? Rome, not ruling anymore. No more suffering for us. No more opposition. Is it time? Is it now? Notice his answer. Verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know. Whoa, seven thunders. It's not for you to know. That's not the important question, not the important answer. It's not for you to know. Verse 8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Fascinating to me. The grace of God and the mercy of God that here Jesus, what he's saying to these guys, if you'll let me summarize and paraphrase, he's saying, guys, don't you get it? My mission has been fulfilled. 
The book of Revelation isn't an easy book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now, and the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming, and it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end, and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know that this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad that you took some time today to learn from the living word with us. If you'd like to hear this teaching again, visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page and would love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That's all the time that we have for today's message. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into the scripture right here on The Living Word.